you, but there's something about the weather in the fall that just is rejuvenating. Um, I, um, I want to start out with just a bit of a kind of a recap, but first I want to tell you a story. A few years ago, my mom and dad moved into a smaller house. They downsized as they were getting older. We were all there visiting, and we were having breakfast. We're all in a big room, and there's only two bathrooms. And so I said to my mom, concerned about if the hot water would last and if the water pressure was good, I said, Mom, can two people take a shower at the same time in this new house? And she's cooking breakfast, and she says, Uh, well, uh... I guess you'll both fit in there if one of you <laughs> turns sideways and y'all are, to which everybody just hollered, you know, like. And the reason I tell you that story is because I know that we may use some words or language or some things in teaching this class that are not familiar, or you may be thinking, do I understand this? One thing I want you to always remember, the Holy Spirit of God is working on your heart. And he is teaching you, and he is leading you. And this is all meant to get us information and transformation through prayer. That's our goal. So just to recap a bit, Jen started out a couple of weeks ago, and she gave a really great overview of the idea that God created us. He can use whatever he wants to connect with us. And that we often use just parts of ourselves to connect when really <clears throat> he wants to connect using the whole of us and it is his heart for connection. He wants to connect with us. And then last week we had uh, Reed and Franklin. They talked a lot about looking and understanding, experiencing God as Father, what that looks like and how often our earthly fathers can influence that perception of God as Father for good and for bad, and how that makes a difference sometimes with our ability to connect. This week, we're going to go look at two concepts that finish out this <laughs> section on connection, and that is drawing near and abiding. So overall, these first few weeks that we've been talking and ending today is really setting kind of a biblical basis or a biblical um, argument sounds. Uh, we're trying to give you or convince you that the Bible is really very clear about connection, the desire for connection, what it looks like. Next week, we're going to start to talk about some of those barriers. I like to call it the static that the enemy uses to keep us from connection. Any of you who went to first service, Josh laid it out beautifully when he talked about how we each have those things that the enemy can use for a stronghold in our life, how it keeps us from drawing near to Jesus, and how Jesus uses that very thing to transform us. We're going to start talking about some of those things next week. Um, here's the thing. There is no exact way to commune with God. It is so 
um, beautifully customized for each of us, how we're wired, how we're made, and there is an element of mystery. It is not a formula. It is not an exact one, two, three, and the mystery of it is what makes it so beautiful. But drawing near and close to the heart of God, while it may feel slow, and it may feel like there's some effort put in, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, when we had our first class, um, we asked you to fill out a little two-question survey. Uh, and we took those and we compiled those responses. And so I wanted to share those with you today. Um, the first question we asked was, how close do you feel to the Lord? And we asked you to rate it on a scale of 0 to 10. 0 being no connection. 10 being very close, very connected to the Lord. Um, by the way, I appreciated uh, your vulnerability and honesty in answering uh, these two simple questions. So, the first, how close do you feel to the Lord? Those who put 0 to 3 were 11% in our class at the time. There were over, over 65, I don't know exactly how many responses we had. Those who put four to six, 75%. Those who put seven to eight, 14%. There were no nine and tens. A majority of a class does not feel a close personal relationship with God. Now that doesn't mean you don't have faith. Don't, don't misread that. You have faith. And if you died, you go to heaven. We're just missing out on some stuff. We're not getting all the benefits that's being offered when we signed up and said, yes, we want to live this life. That's all this is saying right here. Um, and, and this is what we have personally experienced ourselves and what we have seen people experience in prayer times, and you have just confirmed it here. Many times at the end of a prayer time, people will say, I've never experienced this personal of a connection with the Lord before. And we're, we're talking about people who have been in the church for 50, 60 years. So if you're sitting here middle-aged and going, oh man... Oh, don't. You're, you're not alone. We're, we're a product of our history, which is a... We're a knowledge-based, intellectual faith tradition, which did not allow much emotion to come in to its setting. So a personal connection is more of an emotional connection than it is an intellectual connection. So please keep that in mind. The next question on the survey was, Maybe you have tried and all you are, have left are questions. And we gave you some possibilities. And then one you could fill in. How do I know that I hear from God was the first. 9% of you selected that one. I know I need to pray more, but I don't. Why? 39% put that one. Number three, why doesn't God help me? I've asked in faith. 10%. Why does God feel so distant? 22%. Why can't I consistently live my faith? 
The rest was 5%. I can't get focus. I recognize that there are spiritual things or issues I know I might miss. Frustration, unmet longing, shame. This question haunts me. I feel frustrated by God's failure to deliver what I think He wants of me. Now, I hope none of you judge that statement. Because that's a heart that's searching. But they're having a hard time connecting. And what's important is the searching. And if you're searching, God's going to help you find a way to connect. He's not going to leave you out there all by yourself. I struggle to discipline myself. Why have I had to endure the pain I have? Why do I learn to rely on God first and then just not just when I feel desperate. I grew up in church. At this point, why should I care? I want to spend more time. Don't always make it, take it. Does God exist? Now, the reason for the survey was is that sometimes I've sat in your place in class and people will talk, talk about information that you need to hear. This is for you. And I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. The reason we did the survey is for all of us to see that this is real for all of us, right? Okay, it's not to slam anybody. It's not to put anybody down. It's to acknowledge a real need. And what we want to do is to give you hope that you can have what Jesus offers. He said, I come that you have life and that you will have it abundantly. And I believe you can have that if you don't have it. But those of you who do, wonderful. Just encourage other people. Don't assume that just because everybody comes to church and everybody looks happy, everybody, everybody sings louder, they, they give the right answers in class. Don't assume. Because it's not. It's not. We're, we're a church of people who, who are seeking the right path but do struggle. Are you with me? I get, I get aggravated with people who criticize the church and say you're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm going, are you kidding me? We're a bunch of sinners. We just acknowledge it. What have you done? Okay, that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> what you Listen to me carefully, okay? What you have experienced in the past affects how you feel each day. What you've experienced in the past determines why you have certain thoughts each day. What you have experienced in the past determines what you decide to do, what you do each day. What you experience in the past is why you are in a specific mood today. What you have experienced in the past is why you respond strongly to some situations and to others you don't. Have you ever felt strongly about something and somebody else seemed like I think could care less? There's a reason. There's a reason for that. Why do I struggle to draw near and stay near to God? And what I want us to see is that there is always a reason. Always a reason. 
get is helping the Lord to help you determine what that reason is. Uh, Jeannie told me you probably wouldn't do this. She's probably right. Uh, how many of you remember the song Cats in the Cradle? Raise your hand. Ah. Are you happy to be right? I am. <laughs> it's, one, it's one of the few times. I'm not going to read you the words of the song, but obviously it's about a little boy who wants to spend time with his dad, and his dad didn't have time, right? Then he went off to college, came back home. His dad wanted to spend time with him, and he didn't have time for him. That's my way of saying the reason why we do what we do is because it's what we have experienced. And if you were treated a certain way growing up, you're going to turn around and treat people the same way you were treated. We more commonly do what we have seen more than what we have been taught. Are you with me? And if you have struggled doing what you know is right, maybe part of the difficulty is, is that you have not seen it lived out. And you need to be around someone who can help give you a visual image because that, see, our imagination plays a huge role in why we do what we do. And so, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. When I was growing up, I saw a body named God was going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And if there was a gospel meeting, we were there every night. And if it was a two-week gospel meeting in the middle of July in a hot tent, we were there every night. It didn't help that my dad was a song leader, but we, we were there every night. Every time something needed to be done at the building, we were there. Every day, my sisters were six and nine years older. So pretty much from the time I was about 10 years old, uh, 12, 13, I was about like an only child. And so there were three of us sitting at the table. My dad, every morning, would get out, or at dinner time, would get out a little booklet they used to print. I don't know if they still do. It's called... The Daily Bread. Have you heard of The Daily Bread? It's a little devotional book that the Churches of Christ, Church of Christ folks put out. It had a verse, it had two paragraphs of comments, and it had a little prayer at the bottom. Each day, my dad would get that little book out. It'd sit on the round Susan thing in the middle of the table. He would take it off, open it up to that day. He would read the verse. He would read the two paragraphs. He would read the prayer. And after the prayer, I would be dismissed. In my mind, abiding with God was more like visiting God than living with God. Because it was only at certain times that I really spent with God. And when I became a minister, and when I was struggling to have my time with God every day, I struggled because it wasn't a relationship. It was about spending a visit with someone. 
so for many years it wasn't walking with God, it was making time to visit God. That's why I'm saying there's always a reason why we do what we do. How long have I gone already? You're good, you got oh. seven minutes. Okay. Now, some of you, we'll take just a few minutes here. What was your experience growing up in your family? Now, we're not throwing anybody under the bus. What it, what it is, what it is. So what was your experience growing up? About interacting with God? Yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, I was raised Catholic, and so the, the Catholics love a good rule book. Um, so That's right. I went to Catholic schools. My dad worked for the Catholic school. Like, we were similar in if the building was open, we were there, and it, you know, I went to church when I had the flu. Like, we didn't miss. Like, it was a sin, you know, and, and so... Um, but did you have to miss Bonanza Bizan- on Sunday nights? Oh, yeah. Well, Catholics don't do Sunday nights. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, Oof, they don't do should Sunday have been Catholic. Ooh, you're out of it. <laughs> um, we don't do Wednesday nights either. Uh, but, um, yeah, I thought I'd go to heaven and not go to church. And all, you know, all those different things. And so um, it was very much like following the the rules, you know, when you were in second grade, you received first communion and first reconciliation, and you had to learn all the facts about it. Like I can be, I can remember being quizzed by the. We had enough for a teacher. Yeah, yeah. We didn't read the Bible. I mean, no, we read the Bible, but it was more of you got taught the doctrine of Catholicism, and so. Um, it was it was very much just knowing all the reasons and the facts, the rules, the rules, and our prayer. You know, the we would pray the rosary, and and which is a, a beautiful practice, but it's hard when you're little to not think that you're just saying the words because you are. <laughs> you know, somehow it's, it's another, hard those to learn. words are yeah. going to make things right. Yeah, and and you're you're repeating. Them. You know, you're you're praying the Hail Mary, the Our Father, and the Glory Be, like over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. so, um, there there's not a lot of uh, thinking about your relationship with God. It was okay. First, I make the uh, you know whichever there are different ways to pray the rosary. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, but you would. You would kind of be like, okay, I've said that part. Now I do my 10 Our Fathers. Then I do my Glory Be. Then I do this. And then I do 10 more Our Fathers. And, then, you know, and it, there's not a lot of thinking. You're just doing. Mm-hmm. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And so um, uh, it's, <coughs> I think like cultivating that relationship, you're told you're supposed to have it, but nobody, how? How do I have it? But like, you didn't see it. I mean, like, I saw my mom, I saw my dad praying, but it was always the rope prayers. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but it just, like, okay, God, I've filled out all the check boxes. Let me know when you're going to talk back to me, you know. And, and so you're not really shown how to have the personal connection because right. you're just, you're doing the, the rules. Right. Mm-hmm. See, there's not a lot of differences between the Church right. of Christ and that is that we just didn't have the rosary and the Hail Marys and the, you know, uh, and we would condemn you for having those things, which later on I discovered that some of the most beautifully written mm-hmm. prayers were written by Catholic priests and monks. 
yeah. and nuns. And, um, and so some I still quote to this day in my own prayer time. So I've, I have great value for the Catholic Church, but I also get where, where you're coming from. And that, that's what I want us to realize is that as children, we, we take in what we've experienced and we turn it into what makes sense to us. Are you with me? And you do that your entire life. And things happen that stack on top of each other that confirm it, confirm it, confirm it, confirm it, because that's the way you look at life. Are you with me? Okay. In order to change why you think, you have to change what you believe. Based on the Bible, there are certain truths about God and us that are true whether we think they're true or not. God, here's what I want you to know. God is always near. He's all around you at this very moment. You may ignore Him. You may resent Him. You may be angry at Him. You may not acknowledge His presence, but that doesn't mean He's not there. Like a parent who loves being around your children, you're just waiting for them to turn and talk to you. <clears throat> the Lord created us. He designed us. And He loves what He created. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are knitted together, woven together by God. The Lord loves us and wants a personal connection with us. As people, we are, and this is about us, we are arrogant, weak, foolish, self-centered, frail, and self-deceived. Now, I don't mean to be ugly to anybody, but uh, all I mean by that is we can't do it on our own. Are you with me? We have this self-sufficiency mindset in our Western culture that can cause us harm. And that's what I want you to be aware of. Um, got about five, ten, five more minutes? Okay. All right. I want you to go and read at a time when you have time, because I, I was going to do it in class. I don't have time. Read James 4, 1 through 10. And look at the context of what I'm going to share with you. And James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What we're going to focus on is submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And come to near to God and he will come near to you. But I want you to go and read that whole 10 verses because it's going to help you see how that verse fits into where you live every day. Okay? Alright. First, it's important to note that because of different experiences with your own dad growing up, it may be hard for you to connect with God the Father. If you find it hard to connect with God the Father, try connecting with Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Okay? Some people find it easier to connect to one other than the other. So there's, they're, they're part of the same group, so pick the one you feel closest to and go. Okay? One is submit ourselves to God. Uh, I want to share this story. Uh, we have three children. Uh, our oldest was Melanie. She was our pistol. Um, 
she challenged everything we did. I'm surprised we had two more children after her. Um, but one day, a very, very friendly dog about the size of a Labrador Retriever came up to her, she was about this tall, and put his paws on her shoulders and rode her to the ground and began licking on her. Well, she screamed bloody murder. And when Melanie screamed, there was no doubt something was going on. A little bit later, about a year later, we were over at someone's house and all of a sudden there was a dog. Melanie turned and looked at me and there was fear in her eyes. And without hesitation, she ran towards me and started grabbing my clothes and she literally climbed up to here with very little help from me. That's what I mean when I talk about submitting to God. You see something and it scares you to death. But you have to find a place of protection. So you run to that place where you feel safe. And if you have to, you will climb the wall to get there. But once you know that you're in their arms, you're safe. That's what I mean when I talk about submitting. Um, the word submit literally had a context of being under military leadership. But voluntary sign up, not being drafted. A voluntary submission to become to someone in authority that we believe in as a leader Submit to one who has a knowledge, experience, passion, who believe we, that can make this world a better place. The one who cares about those submitting to him wants to protect and provide for them. Like Melanie running from the dog was submitting to me. What motivates you to draw near? God doesn't want you to be forced to come to Him. He wants you to be drawn to Him. So when you submit, it's not a authoritarian. It's a it's something that when I don't care. Jeannie's not an animal person. She's she's nice to animals. But she's not an animal person, but in every house we go into, the animals flock to her. <laughs> there is something about her demeanor that is kind and sweet and unthreatening. Every time. They only come to me after they've come to her. Just teasing, that was supposed to be funny. Um, <laughs> What motivates us to draw near is that we want someone to love us unconditionally. That if I had a need, a problem, a challenge, I can't do it on my own. Um, I want to encourage you to read Psalm 23, which you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, but Psalm 139 
Here's what I love about Psalm 139. Search me. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I get up. You know when I leave. You know when I come back. You know the thoughts. You know the words that are on my tongue. And yet, wherever I go, you are. You want to be near me. You love me even though you know everything that's in my heart. You don't push me away. You don't isolate me off somewhere else. As a matter of fact, you stay close to me just so that if I get a hint that I need someone better than myself, I don't have to go very far at all. I'm right there. Um, resist the devil. Uh, Melanie ran from the dog. Why don't we? Well, it's really very simple. Um, I think I can handle it on my own. Then we end up not. That's why we don't resist. We think we can do it. The other is, I'm actually drawn to the temptation. I just, I like it. Actually, there's times where my temptations, I have loved those desires. It's only when I saw how those desires have hurt me that I no longer love them. Next is, I want what other people do or I want what they want. And they seem to be having a whole lot of fun. And they, they, they're, they're not struggling with FOMO because they're not missing out on anything. I don't want to miss out. God draws us near. For this to happen, here's what I want you to know. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to earn your way. Jesus took care of all of that. All you have to do is to come to Him and rest and allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we are being transformed into His likeness. You're not doing the transformation. I'm not doing it. We are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. So when you come near to God, resist the devil, and He comes near to you, transformation takes place. That's why we are so passionate about people connecting with God. Because I can't tell you what you need to do, but the Lord can. And uh, instead of finding times to visit with God, I now walk with God each day and we talk about what's happening. On my phone, I have an app. It's called Alarmed. And starting at 8 o'clock in the morning, I get a reminder to set my mind on things above. Every two hours throughout the entire day. I have a tendency that once I... I I'm very single focused. Once I get into my day, everything else leaves me. This brings me back to what's really important. 
And that's what helps me just keep talking with the Lord each day throughout the day. I don't do it perfectly. There are some days that I ignore the alarm because I'm busy. But I want you to know that what you seek is possible. You let me go longer, didn't you? I tried. (laughs) That's fine. We're going to talk a second about abiding. You actually did a great segue there because abiding is hanging out with. It's uh, communing. We, as our children were growing up, we tried to have family dinner. We had some rules about family dinner. Everybody sits. We didn't have to fight screens when our children were growing up. Bless all of you who have to handle that. Um, But we sat at dinner. Whoever complained about the menu had to do the blessing. Um, we, Mike would say, how was your day? And they'd say, good. And he'd say, what was good about it? We turned it into high-low. What was your high, your low? Our son Scott was the entertainment. He uh, would tell us amazing facts. When he was five, he goes, Mom, Dad, Bon Jovi has AIDS. <laughs> and then he said, who's Bon Jovi and what's AIDS? And he heard that somewhere. He would give us, one, one night he said, uh, Coach Ely said, the human head weighs 50 pounds. I learned that in school today. I was like, Scott, you couldn't get your pillow off your head off the pillow in the morning if your head weighed 50 pounds. We would have these very deep conversations. Sometimes, though, it was serious. Sometimes it was fussing and carrying on. But it was where we hung out. Sometimes it was quick. But the best was when you linger. Do any of you have friends or family situations where you sit and there's conversation where you grow closer and it's a matter of a rhythm of life where there's connection, intimacy, and proximity. That's two things. Intimacy is closeness, knowing each other. Proximity is being in contact and having a rhythm of life. And that's what Jesus meant when he talked about abiding. There are two key verses that we... um, You've heard them over and over. Actually, there's tons of verses about abiding. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. And then John 14, 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to him and make our home with him. What a promise the creator of the universe says, let me come make a home with you. That is such a precious thought to me. It's just amazing. It's, it's beyond my comprehension. Abiding with the Lord is meant to be a lifestyle. Think about your loved ones. You think about them. You, you have a connection to them How many of you, when your child has something going on during the day, or you took them to daycare and they were sick, or you and your husband had a fuss, and through the day, it's not that y'all are necessarily sitting together, but they are on your mind. And you know what? What Mike just shared with you about that reminder that he has during the day, that's, that's a great way to practice abiding. It is a continual thought and interaction with the Lord. It's where the transformation takes place. Not the quick visit and then you're out, but it's that lifestyle of abiding and interacting. Abiding is the antidote for the unsatisfied Christian life. 
Jesus said, we'll come and make our home with you. That's a promise. Those are not just flippant words. That's a promise. And that's where we're changed. And that's where we become a new creation. That's where I become a better me. Uh, any of you who came to first service, Josh, what a great story about Zacchaeus. He knew that interacting with Jesus was the place where change was going to take place. That's where kingdom work happens. So first, we draw near and we abide. And in that place is where we bear fruit and we do kingdom work. I've gotten that backwards. I thought if I do all of these things, then Jesus will interact with me if I get it right. That was my twisted thinking. But he says the other way around, hey, we'll, come, we'll move in. We'll be apart. We'll all be together. And then that's where the transformation takes place. And that's where the fruit happens. Like Mike said, there is a reason why we do the things we do. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. What are some of those potential reasons? Uh, Anne Lamont is one of my favorite authors. She says, we have three kinds of prayers. Help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And wow. And you know what? That's what abiding is like. Because I'm having a conversation with the Lord where I'm saying, thank you. It can be that quick. It doesn't have to be four Hail Marys and, you know, it can be a conversation where I'm saying, help me. I'm about to go into a conversation here that's going to be tough spirit. I need to feel you working in me. That's abiding. That's conversation. Thank you. Or, wow. I just responded in a way I would not have responded this time last year. I can tell you're working in me, spirit. Um... It's a conversation all along the way. I can tell you this. I'm in the process of retiring. I've shared that with y'all. I'll be retiring at the end of the year. And I'm hiring people to take my place. I have been at this company for 34 years. The Lord and I have been having conversations all week long. He kept saying, this is good for you. They don't have to do it just like you do it. You need to embrace what young people are thinking and seeing and knowing. You are a dinosaur in technology. It's okay to do it different. I'm having this conversation with the Lord because you know what He wants in me? He wants love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. But He has to work on those things in me. That's why I'm having these conversations. I'll feel that conviction. I'll feel that. That, wasn't, that response wasn't kind. That's a conviction, not a condemnation. They are two different things. But abiding is what He promises us when we walk it out with Him. I've given you on the handout at the end an idea for you to try this week. Um, first of all, I want you to, in a time of prayer this week, take a minute and stop. You may need to draw near using Psalm 23 or another verse, or perhaps you feel connected in prayer, and that would be great. The first thing I want you to do is before the Lord claim the promise, Lord, I claim the promise in Matthew 7 that if I ask, it's given to me. And if I seek it, I will find it. And if I knock, it will be open. We have heard that our whole life. And everybody's like, well, I wanted a new house and I didn't get one. So that is not what he's talking about. He's talking about transforming us to be like him. So claim that promise. Because he's not putting any desire on your heart he does not intend to give you. That would be a dirty trick. 
That is not the Father, God, that we love and serve. And then, pray this prayer. I've given it to you. It's in the book, those of you who are following the book. But you know what? It's basically saying, Lord, I don't even know what this looks like, but I really want it, and I ask you to give it to me. And then, here's the challenge. During the week, see if you feel a little prompting or a nudge somewhere where you think, wait a minute. That might be some abiding going on. That might be the Spirit talking to me. That might be a nudge that I felt from the Father. I think you might be surprised. You might be pleasantly surprised. Um, Especially as couples, just keep in mind that everybody's abiding and drawing near is different. You may be able to read a passage in the morning and keep it right here all day long. Me, I read it in the morning. 15 minutes from the time I read it, it's gone. We're all different. We all don't do it the same way. So if you see somebody else doing it and you can't do it that way, that's okay. Just ask the Lord to help you discover what yours is. And, uh, and, or if you need some ideas, let us know. We'll be glad to help with that too. Um, but our prayer for you is that you will experience the abundant life to a greater degree this week than you did last week. And the Lord wants that for you too. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank You. We claim Your promise and help us to get out of the way so You can fulfill it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you.